You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Diaspora Blues acknowledges this program is produced and presented on the sovereign lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge elders past, present and those becoming, as well as the owners of the land you're hearing us from. So, here you are, too foreign for home, too foreign for here, never enough for both. Ijuoma Umebinyo, Diaspora Blues. What makes you smile and adds a spring to your step? What does it mean to belong and how do we build a home away from home? Diaspora Blues is a show that contemplates what is and what could be. Join Busto and Bigwa every Monday at 2.30 on 3CR Community Radio. Produced by Jan. It is the 7th of December 2020 and you're tuned in to Diaspora Blues. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is good to be back. Another week, another, I was going to say another dollar, but that's not true. How you been? (laughs) Oh, it's a bit cold today, um, but I'm good. I'm good. I miss the sunshine, but that's all right. Um, it's on its way again. Um, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Um, tired, but uh, looking forward to more rest and more caring of self. But certainly, yeah, it's been a big couple of weeks work-wise and life-wise. So trying to remember to rest. How do you rest, Ian? How do I rest? Um, I wish I had something like interesting to to say, as in, you know, I meditate or I do yoga, but no, nothing like that. I nap. I nap a lot. I know um, you walk also. I walk too. Yes, I do enjoy walking. But a while ago, I had a really scary experience walking through a trail. I wouldn't say which trail. And I was by myself and... Yeah, I just had an encounter with a person and it just scared the living daylights out of me. And mm. it's kind of put me off because I, I'm someone who listens to a lot of true crime podcasts. I watch a lot of horror movies. And in my mind, I've always said if something were to happen, I'd know how to respond. You know, I'd start fly kicking the person or screaming for help. Um, but in that moment, you freeze up you you don't respond how you think you'd respond and that kind of made me question my survival skills and now I'm kind of when I go walking I'm so suspicious mm. I'm I kind of just I'm very aware of my surroundings um I don't put my mic up as loud as I used to I have also noise cancelling headphones and I'm kind of like, mm, maybe I should get one where I can actually hear mm. people walking. Um, I've stopped walking through trails. Uh, I don't walk at night anymore. So, yes, I actually got really dark there. But, mm. yeah, it's just hard being a woman. And also this person was unwell. So um, not that it justifies it, but the unpredictable of it you just don't know what Mm. is going through people's heads you know what they're thinking how they'll act 
So just not knowing what could happen now has got me freaked out. Mm, I'm sorry you went through that. Yeah, I'm I'm disappointed. But also I know it's part and parcel of being a woman where your body is up for grabs. And, you know, it's sad, but someone can just mm. extinguish your life like that. And, you know, it got me thinking about all the women who've died in Melbourne, mm. you know, um, and most of it isn't like stranger danger. It's obviously people that they know, people that they care about. Um, of, and I just want to put it out there. My incident was, wasn't very extreme, but it was enough to kind of make me question the ability to just walk wherever I want to walk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's not going to happen anymore. Yeah, wow. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. We need more safety. I don't know. Because the trails are so beautiful. Um so how would you make trails safer for us to go mm. walking in, right? Um, I, like, I don't want police there, obviously. So what's what other options do we have? Mm. I'd love to know more about that. How, yeah, what are the ways people, you know, um, are trying to be safe or safer? And um, But, yeah, it's, it's really concerning that, um, I guess... To just have a casual walk um, is, you know, is not possible in that way. So, you know, among many, so many aspects of being, um, you know, women. And so, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, that's, yeah, something you love. Mm, yeah. Thank you so much. Um, well, uh, to, I guess, maneuver out of that little pit hole we went into, we do have some exciting news about our guest today yes um our guest today is Najib which is who um I'm really excited to come on and speak to us about this wonderful project that they've got going um the project is called Whiteology it's a book of terms that describes what it's like being a black person navigating you know white spaces and white systems so really super exciting Australia's first LGBTIQ plus purpose-built centre opens early 2021 and we need your support. Be a giver this Christmas and send your loved ones a gift of pride. The Victorian Pride Centre has launched unique gift cards to fundraise fitting out the centre and they're the queer holiday cards of dreams. These affordable gifts and fun stocking fillers support the LGBTIQ plus community. Gifts of pride can be purchased with a few clicks. Head to pridecentre.org.au to start shopping and subscribe. The Victorian Pride Centre is a 3CR supporter. been at the heart of the city of Darabin's rich cultural history. Beats, Ballads and Ballrooms is an audio tour that covers the history of country, rock, punk, cabaret, rebetica, folk and traditional music styles in the Darabin area. Experienced as a walking tour via the Echoes app or listened to at home via the web, 
The tour brings listeners to 15 locations to reveal the songs and stories behind the city's venues, past and present. Visit beatsballadsandballrooms.com for more information. Beats, Ballads and Ballrooms was commissioned and funded by Darabin Arts for Hyperlocal. A 3CR supporter. Hi, Mans here from the Japarong Embassy. On October the 26th, after two and a half years of defending sacred women's country, the embassy, family, friends and supporters were forcibly removed from country by Victoria Police. The Andrews State Government, alongside Major Roads Projects Victoria, have begun their violent attack to desecrate the sovereign lands of the Japarong to make way for the duplication of the Western Highway between Buangal and Ararat. There are many old growth trees, one significant tree in particular, a 350-year-old yellow box gum, the Directions tree. She's a placenta tree who holds the DNA of the Japarong ancestors. She was felled by a chainsaw at the hands of a government that is asking for a treaty with its first peoples. The embassy and its frontline protectors are calling out for your help. To find out more, including how to get to the embassy to help defend on the ground, visit the Japarong Heritage Protection Embassy's Facebook page. Educate yourself, donate to their chuff campaign and spread the word. 3CR supports the Japarong Heritage Protection Embassy. No trees, no treaty. Welcome back. You're tuned into Diaspora Blues on 3CR Community Radio. My name's Ian. Um, just a quick trigger warning that I should have given earlier, um, but I didn't realize I was going to be talking about my experience. But if any of what I have said kind of triggered you or just made you kind of feel unsafe, um, the number to call would be Lifeline on 131114. That's 131114. Um, alternatively, you can call Wire Women's Information Referral Center, and that's 1300 134130. Okay. Dear black person, does your stomach plummet when you walk into a room and realize you're the only black person there? Do you struggle to name that feeling? What about the anxiety of shopping while black? What would you call that? Well, you don't have to struggle anymore because Somali community practitioner Najib Wasama has created a glossary of words to describe what it's like being a black person navigating white spaces, white systems and white institutions. His witty and thought-provoking book, Whiteology, is the discussion of our next segment. Welcome to the show, Najib. Thank you so much for having me, Ayan. Hey, Najib Najib, what a pleasure, what an honor. Welcome to Dias for Blues. Totally excited to have this conversation with you. Whiteology. Oh, happy to be here. Yes. Before we go there, actually, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, um, so uh, my name is Najib. I'm Somali. I live out in the West. Um, I'm, I'm just a lover of people and a lover of humor and I use humor as a way of really trying to tell stories and really 
as a way of connecting with people, I find that to be really healing as well. So, yeah. I certainly found uh, whiteology witty and thought-provoking. What is whiteology? I guess um, uh, the best way I can put it is like, it's a list of terms that I guess describe and really, really get to the root of whiteness. Because um, for me personally, in my own experience, I find um, even though we are, we are surrounded by whiteness, um, even as an ideology, and like, even though some concepts have gone into like mainstream consciousness, such as like white supremacy or white privilege or white feminism, um, still like navigating whiteness is still quite difficult um, and it's quite elusive and it's pretty pervasive. So I guess that's what whiteology is, is really just like uncovering um, the, the things that manifest um, and really attaching words to it that really, really articulate a particular experience that you're having that you necessarily didn't have the language for before, but now you, you do. Yeah. Mm. I think language is so powerful and giving name to something is also really important and creating language and ways of understanding and ways of processing. Um, yes, exactly. I know during this time you, you know, you sort of started by thinking about, you know, what are, what are the words that exist? And you kind of went on a, um, a bit of a, a hunt for that. And there wasn't uh, a lot out there. And so I kind of want to, if you could share a little bit about what the process was like for you. I guess, so it's been quite a long process for me, actually, um, because it, the process just, it just started off me just telling stories, um, stories of me, uh, like at work, story with, stories of me um, in other opportunities that I had in, in, in a multitude of different spaces that I was navigating through. And, and I guess in telling these kind of stories, um, you know, like, it, they, they were happening quite a lot, actually. And then, you know, and then I went out one time and then I was, like, joking with a couple of friends and, like, there was this one particular experience that I had that I kind of joked about a word being associated with that. And then um, and then it was funny because, like, from that point on, I was, like, I thought to myself, I was, like, wow, this word actually just describes what I'm feeling right now. And now I can give myself the permission and freedom to create the language that kind of describes the experiences that I've having. So then, and then, I, then after that, I kind of went on a journey and then started like chatting to friends, chatting to community members, chatting to family, and collecting those kind of stories. And then, um, and then kind of seeing like sort of like how everyone's like the connection between all these kind of stories. Um, yeah, it's been such a journey, honestly. Um. Something I'm thinking about is you yeah. have to, in, in the process of creating this project, mm. you have to yeah. reach into and I, I guess walk back through personal experiences. Yeah. And I'm sure yeah, a lot yeah. of those experiences were, <laughs> yeah, like super traumatic and hard. And yeah, yeah. How did yeah. you take care of your health and your well-being through that process? Because that can be so confronting. And also I know <laughs> you were working on this during um, – the, the 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 lockdown you know so yeah, yeah 
I mean, I guess for me, the way I've taken care of myself during that process was I, like, I really tapped into connect, like connecting with people um, and really chatting to friends, really chatting to community members um, and really journaling. So, like, I, I, um, I journal as, like, a reflective practice for myself. Um, that's, like, something that first, because journaling us, for me personally, it's something that allows me to um, kind of have like a really deep conversation, a really personal and meaningful conversation with myself. Um, but it's also a way of me like believing myself because sometimes when you're kind of experiencing these kind of things, you're like, you kind of like almost forget that it's happening. Um, but when you are actually journaling about it, it's like you're actually having a one-on-one -on -one conversation. You're like, hey, Najib. You know that happened, right? And you're like, <laughs> that did. <laughs> what was that? For sure. So that, um, that's, yeah, that's that's a way I've been looking after myself as well. Um, do you have any um, examples of words you would like to share with us? Yeah, so I, I might actually share a word, but then I think it's probably also good if I share, I guess, the context. Sure, yeah, of absolutely. Where the word has come from. And... I guess this word, this word I am really, really grateful to. I really, really am because it really helped me during this, a particular time when I was working. Um, so I had this particular situation at work where I was working with somebody. Um, and I have to be, I'll try to be as diplomatic as I can be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I guess I don't have to actually. But um, yeah, I had this situation at work where I worked with a particular colleague and it's like um, they had pawned their work off on me. Um, and they, I was in a casual role and they were in much more of a senior role than I was. Um, and they had been in the organization a lot longer than I was. And uh, we did this particular work together where they were the point of contact, but then they wanted to give me the work. But then I didn't have the point of contact. I didn't. I was just there to actually provide additional support. So it seemed like like they wanted me to do and showcase and do their work for them. Um, and then I kind of had noticed that this uh, person in this particular role was not just doing that to me, but they had kind of like a pattern of doing this to other people as well. Um, and then after like, and then I had to sort of like, I had to do some deep reflection about like what I was going through and what I was feeling because I knew that I was feeling something. Um, and that situation was quite interesting because uh, it allowed me to really that uh, this person role was just like comfortably sitting in this role and they had been in this role for quite a period of time where they became quite complacent in what they were doing. Oh, I, I know the word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they just became super, super complacent because, like, they were awarded that sort of, like, comfortability um, and permanency in their role, where it's like when you have permanency in your role, you actually don't have to prove that you are capable anymore if, like, you can't physically be fired <laughs> um, from that role because it's quite difficult. Um and so the word I came up with was like, I was like thinking, I was like, oh my God, like what is this person doing? Like, what are they doing in this role? And then I like, I joked about it. And I laughed about it. I spoke about it with friends. I was like, this person is white nesting. That's what they're doing. 
they are white nesting in this role. And the reason why I wrote nest, the reason why I came up with white nesting is because the person was white. But the nesting component is like, they, this person was so comfortable to the point where like they had built a nest and they were just sitting. <laughs> Those eggs were not hatching anytime soon. <laughs> um, yeah. Awesome. Um, I'm going to read out um, what the word is um, mm. in the glossary. And it is uh, white nesting is when a white person is in a position of power and influence in a prominent role, such as diversity and inclusion policy or a management role where the role has the potential to create a cultural change, making huge impacts with its level of scope. But the person in question becomes quite complacent in that role and um, gets to the point where they become mediocre uh, rather than decide to give that role to somebody competent and willing and able to transform the role and implement real change, the person stays in the role. White nesting, right? Um, There's a little bit more to it, but I'll leave it there. Um, But, you know, I have favorite words such as um, loaf. Is it loaf? But um, I think they're just, yeah, super, you know, hilarious and important and really capture um, that experience and some of those nuances. Um, The other thing I'm thinking about is that you, in the work you do, you normally support the work of other people. And in a way, this is the first time you've really um, centered your work and your, your, uh, practice. Yeah. What has been really different or challenging about that? Oh, I guess something that has been really, I guess, challenging us, I guess, this was because I uh, like I consider myself to be artistic and um, and 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 arts minded, but I, I don't necessarily I don't necessarily work in the in an, in the arts industry. For example, like I work more in the community sector. Um, so for me, at the start, like it was quite difficult for me to even like 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 hold that title of like I am an artist um I am producing artistic work because like because my income doesn't come from an arts like a like for me like you know like doing arts related work it comes from my community related work where like I'm not making that kind of income from that so it's like it was hard for me to be like am I an artist because you know I'm not like getting money with my art um, so that, for me, that like that mindset was quite really difficult for me to um, like to comprehend at the start. Um, and I guess the other thing that was quite challenging for me at the start was like um, I guess kind of like navigating this process um, because um, yeah, like this is the first time I've kind of done something like this on my own. Um, and it's been kind of interesting how to like navigate sort of like how to publish, do you self-publish, like having all these different questions for yourself. Um, so that was actually also quite challenging as well. Mm. Najib, um, I think we're also in the process of becoming, uh, closer friends. Um, so as a friend, I'm, I'm really, you know, we've had mutual friends for a long time. 
Um, yeah. But I, I want to say I'm really proud of you and this thing that you're doing, oh, and you. I can't, I can't wait to see it um, and, and continue to share it. So, could you tell us, you know, where folks can reach you, um, or you know, any updates about, you know, when it's potentially um, going to be published or what that looks like? Yeah. So, hoping to have it have the launch of this by next year. Um, and I guess the updates that you can get um, see through is like through um, Creative of Color. Um, so a friend of mine, Rani, uh, I've been working in partnership with this project with her. Um, and she's been super incredible and in supporting me with this project. Um, so we're gonna, I'm gonna do it with her. Um, so a lot of the updates can come from the Creators of Color on their Instagram page um, or their Facebook page. Um, yeah, and just stay tuned because. Things are changing. Things are happening. Um, words are coming. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for being on Dice for Blues. No, thank you so much for having me. La Mama is thrilled to reopen and welcome you back to the theatre from the 5th through to the 20th of December. The program includes a two-week season of Iranian Bauhaus by Alna Sheskalani, a series of play readings curated by Rosemary Johns and the first live La Mama Poetica since March. To ensure the comfort and safety of audiences, artists and staff, La Mama's put together a COVID-safe plan in line with the Victorian government guidelines. You can see all the information on La Mama's COVID safety page. Check out lamama.com.au for all information. La Mama is a 3CR supporter. That was a really, really, really beautiful conversation. It was. It was fantastic. Fantastic. White nesting. Goodness, he's so clever. White nesting. Like, as soon as you hear it, you, you automatically know what it's about. Um, thank you so much, Najib, for taking the time out to do that. And, you know, it's, it's a project that we could all benefit from because I know I've been in spaces or have had experiences where, you know, I get this, like, really bad feeling or I have this experience that's so triggering and I don't know I don't have the words for it I just know hey this isn't right but you know having a glossary where I could just sort of flip through and go hey so this is what it is this is what it looks like Najib has put it out there it's nice because it puts it names what we go through and naming is so important because once you're able to put a name on something you can take it out of the shadows Mm, and demystify, um, yeah, demystify whiteness in a way and, yeah, bring it to the light. <laughs> <laughs> bring it to the light. I love it. Um, what's been one experience of yours that kind of sticks out to you? I think it would be um, expectation of providing free labour while you're in quite an insecure role. Mm. I find, yeah, I've experienced that where there is a lot of expectations of what you should or shouldn't, or, or I guess what is needed of you um, more um, outside of the scope of your work. But then you find that you as the the black and brown people um, uh, have the casual roles, the roles are just, yeah, paid less or not as secure. and But somehow the workload is sometimes more. 
Mm. Um, and so I feel like sometimes it's a bit of a dynamic of like if you don't do it, you don't have the those unspoken things. Like you do it because you want the role, mm. right? Yeah. Or like the roles are scarce or something like that. So I think it, it's about the, um, yeah, um, not being in a role that I think my skill and my um, – and my work and my relationships um, would, yeah, to really reflect that. Um, though my, yeah. Yeah. What about mm. you? Oof. Um, there's, there's so many. I don't know where I would start. But this thing that people do now, especially in like activist or social justice circles where like white people have the language there have the language to talk about our oppression and now it's just become uh, like a gotcha thing where like you're trying to talk about something that's happened and they're like oh yep that's called microaggression that's called this that's called that and you're like I'm glad you know what it's called but also just listen you know you don't need to like impress your knowledge on me that you get it. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.